Hallelujah. Well, turn in your Bible, if you will. Oh, don't turn in your Bible. I want, it's, it's quiz time. I don't want to give it away. Uh, uh, we're talking about famous one-liners. Everybody say one-liners. W-O-N. One-liners from Old Testament warriors and the life lessons within them. It's kind of corny, but I think this month has been very refreshing and impacting. How many of you have got ministered to on Wednesday night here as we've studied the Word of God together? We looked at David. We looked at Jehoshaphat. Uh, uh, we looked at David again. We looked at him twice. And these one-liners are kind of uh, scriptural phrases that have become somewhat famous. Now, I've realized uh, they're not quite as famous as I thought they were because one of my, how many of you know this one-liner and where it's from? I think I had two hands. So, uh, so they're maybe not be so famous to you now, but when we get done, they'll be famous and you'll never forget them. And so tonight we conclude this little mini-series, which is kind of uh, 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 piggybacking off Sunday mornings where we've talk, been talking about awakening the warrior within us. And then last Sunday we, we shifted a little bit of a gear and we began talking about the warrior's weapons. And I'm telling you, if you're a warrior and you don't have weapons, you're going to be in serious trouble. Uh, and so we're trying to weaponize the family of God to be victorious over the principalities and the powers and the spiritual forces of wickedness. And here on Wednesday night, we're endeavoring to learn the Word of God to, and see what God is saying to us through these OT warriors who, who just, uh, God used them, he, he worked through them to bring about great victories uh, for the children of Israel and for the sake of the kingdom of God. So with that in mind, just lift your hand and say, Lord, speak to me tonight. Speak to me tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, here's the famous one-liner tonight. Uh, and, uh, and uh, hey, you didn't see Michael and Lyric when you are out there yet, did you? Okay. All right, famous one-liner. Here it is. Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. Do not be afraid, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. And I'll give you a hint. It's in the title. This is in the Old Testament. All right, wasn't really a hint. So, does anyone know where this... Now, I'm going to give you a little... I'm going to help you. There is, there is a one passage that almost sounds exactly like this, but it's not exactly like it. So, uh, if you hit the other one, I'll give you a grace card. Anyone here know where this is? Who said this? Anyone know? You, okay, anyone, anyone real confident with who, with who said it? Okay, if you're confident, lift your hand where I can actually see a confident hand. Okay, I'm going to let Mestia tell us. Moses said this. He, he really did. Moses said this. Okay, somebody else. Who did he say it to? To the Israelites, to the children of Israel. Where did he say this to them? At the Red Sea, y'all got it. everybody go ding, 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 ding. Now, now you know, oh, now you said, oh, I saw the movie. I know all about this, right? <laughs> Moses, Moses. Well, turn in your Bible to Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. Exodus 14, 13. We're going to look at, the, at uh, this Old Testament story, and it's not just a story. It's a true story of how the children of Israel were being delivered. That They were coming out of what? Egyptian bondage. Now, here's a little interesting. I throw out these little, little study thoughts if, you, if you're brave enough to study them. You know, did you know in Scripture 
there seems to be a little bit of a conflict with how long they were actually in Babylonian captivity. I just needed to know the answer. I'd forgotten what the Bible said, so I Googled, you know, how long were the children of Israel in Babylon, not Babylonian captivity, Egyptian uh, bondage. Well, uh, there's a passage that says 400 years. Are they here? Okay, young people, go have fun. Enjoy yourself. Let me just say this. While we're teaching, don't be too loud in that room, but have fun. Amen. They, and then there's another one that says 430 years. And then, gosh, so when you start studying, and I, and I got into one guy, he had it all figured out, and he said the Bible is not contradicting itself, and he explained it all. And I didn't think we had time to, for me to do an exhaustive uh, study on that for you. But needless to say, they'd been there a while. How many of you know 400, 430, it all kind of runs together after a while? <laughs> and most of these people, well, all these people, unless they were really old, that's all they knew was Egyptian bondage. And here comes, and you know the story, how God spoke to Moses, and he went to Pharaoh, and without going in detail, let my people go, let my people go, and then all the plagues and all those things. And so finally, after the 10th plague, uh, uh, Pharaoh let them go, and not only did he let them go, they kind of plundered and pillaged the Egyptians when they left. Did you realize that? They didn't leave with the, with the shirt on their back. They just said, oh, by the way, let us have all this gold and all this blessing. And all. They just loaded up from the Egyptians and took off towards the end. And so as they were leaving, uh, as was the nature of Pharaoh, his heart was hardened and he began to pursue the children of Israel. So that's the quickie story as you, if you've seen the movie, you know. And as they're, and as they're moving towards uh, uh, the, the Red Sea, they began to see the Philistines, not the Philistines, but the Egyptians coming. They're all bad people. Philistines, Egyptians, what, who, who cares? They were pursuing them. And that's where the miracle of the parting of the Red Sea uh, took place. But we're going to look at this passage. Now, interesting little side note when you look in, I think it's Exodus 12 or so. When they first left, it says God didn't take them the way uh, of, of, I think, of the Philistines. That was the quickest way to get there. But he said he didn't take them that way because he didn't want them to see war. If they see war, they would get scared and go right back to Egypt. They, you know, when you've been in bondage for 400 years... And then all of a sudden, you got to fight people with swords and spears that you do not have. He said, we didn't take them the, the easy way uh, because there would have been battles. And then we didn't want, we knew if they had seen, God said, if they see battle, they'll just turn around and go back. They're not, they don't have any fight in them. How many of you know anybody just doesn't have any fight in them? Well, that's kind of the way they were. And so he took them this way. But it was not just to keep them uh, away from the Philistines but to teach them some things. And so that's what we're going to look at. Uh, in fact, uh, let me just say this. The Red Sea experience, um, it was designed by God to teach the children of Israel the, necess the necessity of faith in their journey into the promised land. How many of you know to get from point A to point B uh, in, God's, uh, in God's journey, it's going to take faith? Amen. In fact, what does the New Testament teach us? We walk by faith and not by sight. And so this Red Sea experience, it was not just by happenstance. It was on purpose. How many of you know a lot of the traumas of life 
you know, there's, there's different kinds of things that come our way. There's trials and tribulations, right? And how many of you know God pretty much allows those to happen to teach us things, right? What does it say in James chapter 1? Count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into various trials and temptations, knowing that the what? Testing of your faith produces endurance. So we know from a biblical standpoint, and I'll show it to you in just a moment, that this Red Sea experience was to ignite the children of Israel's faith in God. Now, they didn't respond very well, I'll have to tell you. 400 plus years in, the, in, the, uh, in Egyptian bondage has a way of wearing on anybody. And they didn't, there, there was no reason to have faith because nothing ever turned up good in their behalf. They were living under the bondages of the Egyptians and, and faith was just uh, out the window. And so how did they respond when the Egyptians come? Well, so let's look in verse 9. Are you with me? Everybody say, I'm with you, Pastor. So the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh. Everybody give me some chariot and horses noise. Anybody? You know, you get the picture, all right? They pursued them and overtook them camping by the sea beside, I can't pronounce that, before Baal Zephon. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid. Give me some fearful sounds. You get the picture, okay. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to make this as exciting as possible, all right? Uh, they, were, they were afraid, and that made me lose my place. Uh, they were afraid, pardon me. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. <laughs> I know what some of you visitors are saying. You're saying, children's church is in there, Pastor. I'm just feeling a little feisty. And then they said to Moses, listen to what they said. Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. Now, i got to stop right there before we get to our keynote verse. Did you know there are some people... Stay in bondage so long that they just kind of get used to it. They just said, we told you, leave us alone. Don't rock the boat. At least we're here. If you rock the boat, Pharaoh's going to heat it up in our behalf against us. And then look what Moses said. So, so let me just stop. So they weren't responding in faith, right? They were not, they thought, in fact, they began to be accusatory. They began, in fact, did you know Moses told them, the leaders told them, I may be able to go back and show you this verse, as, as Moses came in on the scene and to lead them out of, uh, out of bondage, he told the leaders, say, hey, we're going to a land that is flowing with what? So now they're up against the Red Sea, there's an obstacle. And now the Pharaohs are the Pharaohs. Pharaoh's army are coming against them. There's another obstacle, right? And so their response is, "You tricked us. You lied to us. It would have been better. You just brought us out here because there's no graves. You just mask. It's just a mass genocide. Is what you had on your mind. Now that's so far away from faith." The children of God, the chosen of God, they are so far away from trusting God. It's just, it's just, I'm laughing, but it's not even funny. They're just, 
Moses, he just, he, he's not getting any cooperation. So look what he says. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Everyone say, do not be afraid. Stand still. Everyone say, stand still. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. Not might, but will. Do you see that? He will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians, now, I love this. We'll talk about it more in a moment. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall, be, you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to, to go forward. And then he gives them directive, and you know the story. As they went forward, uh, the, the seas opened up, and the winds blew, and the winds blew, and the wind, oh, that's, that's, that's just a breeze. And the winds blew, whoo, the winds blew, dried the land, and the children of Israel went over on dry land, and the Egyptians followed them, and then you know the rest of the story. And the, and the declaration that Moses said about them uh, was uh, was true. They didn't see them anymore. Now look down in verse 30. I love this because what did I say God was trying to teach the children of Israel? To have faith. Everybody say have faith. Look in verse 30. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt so the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. And somebody say amen. Now, it didn't last long, but that was a good start. And then they started, they started singing worship and praise to God. Now, let's pause just for a moment. Remember last Sunday when we talked about the warrior's worship? Uh, and we go to Jehoshaphat, remember last Sunday, and then we talked about Jehoshaphat before here on Wednesday night, how Jehoshaphat worshipped before the battle, he worshipped at the beginning of the battle, and he worshipped after the battle. He understood the power of worship. No, hey, children of Israel didn't, the, here's your classic charismatic Christian. These children of Israel. We can't believe it. He actually did do what he said he was going to do. Moses isn't a liar. God's not wanting to kill us. He saved us. Somebody crank up the band. Nah, nah, nah. Look what the Lord has done. Then Miriam grabbed the tambourine and, it, and, and Pentecostalism was born right there on the other side of the Red Sea. You, most of you think Pentecostalism was born in Acts chapter Two, but no, it happened right here. They started dancing and worshiping the Lord because they were excited about God. And they began to believe the Lord. And that's what the Red Sea experience was all about. It was for the purpose of teaching the children of Israel that they can trust Him. And, and you know what? They'd been in Babylonian captivity. I keep saying that. They'd been in Egyptian bondage for 400 plus years. And they needed, a, a, they needed a revelation and an insight into their life. But let me give you a little insight to that insight. How many of you know when God has something big for you to face? When you're about to experience your Red Sea, he knows you're going to experience a Red Sea, right? He knows you're going to experience a Goliath in your life, right? Now, if you look back in your life, God didn't begin two days before Goliath or the day of your Red Sea experience to try to teach you a principle. 
Because understand something. He wants you to pass the test, correct? And so the test, the faith lessons didn't start at the Red Sea for the children of Israel. In fact, they began even, de- I don't know, I, the timetable would elude me a little bit, uh, but it began days before, weeks before. Uh, and and they, they learned, they were to learn lessons, and we're going to look at them in just a minute. I'm going to give you a life lesson. Let me throw Hebrews chapter 11, 29, and here's what it says. It says, you can look it up later. It says, by faith, the children of Israel, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land. Whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. So even the, 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 the Hebrews passage, the faith passage, declares that they passed through the Red Sea by faith. Now, let me ask you this question. At that moment, whose faith were they walking in? I got a feeling they were walking in Moses' faith. Because they just accused him of genocide, attempted genocide. And I'm sure... When the Red Sea parted, they were in awe and wonder. But what parted the Red Sea was not their faith, it was Moses' faith. Okay? So at that point, they were walking and experiencing the blessings of God because of another person's faith in their life. Okay? Now, so I'm going to give you six life lessons from this passage of Scripture. Are you ready for them? Here we go. Life lesson number one. As leaders, we're responsible to lead others to walk by faith and not by sight. We're going to learn from Moses. He's the leader of this, this, this amazingly large, faithless generation. And here's Moses, who didn't want to do this job, by the way. He angered the Lord in his resistance to do the job. He, didn't, he said, I can't talk right. I got a speech problem. And that angered God. And we learn that God chooses the weak things of the world to confound the wise. But what do we learn from Moses right here? Hey, as leaders, let me just tell you, we're all leaders. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a leader in, in, in this world. If it's just your kids or if it's your, if it's your, your, your family, your brothers, your sisters, we are people of influence. Okay, leadership is influence. Uh, and as leader, how many of you know leadership is not a, a title you have, but, but, a, but who you are? How many of you know sometimes in organizations, the real leader is about four notches down the pike? You know what I'm talking about. He's not the guy at the top. It's those, the influencers that are really doing the job. I want to I divert. And uh, just quickly, I, was in a, I used to work for a big company and a big uh, uh, manufacturing. And the engineers, the, the leaders were out trying to refab the end of this big assembly line. Uh, and they had all their blueprints and all the, all the guys who did it for a living, the, the hands-on guys, the foremen, they're going, don't do that. You can't do that. That won't work. Uh, we've tried that. You know, this is the way this machine works. And, the, and, and the, the guys at the top thought they had it all. They had all their blueprints flying around everywhere. And they just resisted the, the real people of influence that were three or four notches down. They turned on the line and it messed up and thousands, thousands of dollars worth of product were lost because the, the leaders who were three or four notches down uh, were not able to, to, they didn't, hey, you got to know who the real leaders are. Uh, it's not just the guy at the top. And you are a leader. Tell your neighbor again one more time, you're a leader. And here's the life lesson. As leaders, we're responsible to lead others to walk by faith and not by sight. Now, I'm telling you, Moses, at this point, at, at the Red Sea, he had 
Can you imagine the pressure of all these people now looking at him? Here's Pharaoh. But let me tell you something. He had faith because he'd already heard from God. Listen, when you get a word from God, it doesn't matter how many Egyptians are pursuing you. It doesn't matter how deep the water is. Are you with me? And as leaders, we have a responsibility to lead people into a lifestyle of faith. To walk by faith and not by sight. That's at 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. What do most people do? They look with their natural eyes and they begin to react to what they see with their natural eyes. We're going to talk about this a little more a little later. But hey, they begin to learn. That's why the first thing, what was the first phrase out of Moses' mouth? Do not be afraid. Everyone say, do not be afraid. It was in the command form. Listen. That's what we've got to be for those around us. We've got to be men and women who are fearless in the face of the adversities of life. You know, we look at the traumas that are going on in the world. Let me just tell you. Let me be your pastor here for a moment. Can I be your pastor just for a second? Don't let these things make you fearful. Don't be afraid. Everybody say, don't be afraid. Come on now. God's a big God. Amen. And so, these faith lessons... This faith lesson that we're trying to get, that God was trying to get across to the children of Israel, they did not begin uh, that day by the, the, the Red Sea. They began days, weeks, months earlier. Uh, and in fact, uh, Acts chapter 7, uh, verse 36 says, He brought them out after He had shown them wonders and signs in the land of Egypt. He brought them out, Acts seven thirty six out of Egypt. After he had shown them wonders and signs in the land of Egypt. In other words, the, 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 the teaching process began way before the, the Red Sea experience. And here's how, here's some ways and means he did it. The plagues. Everyone say the plagues. Okay, I don't know if I'm going to get very far with this. Just for kicks, how many plagues were there? Ten plagues. Somebody got it right. Ten plagues. Okay, now... I'm going to ask you a question that unless I had not written them down, I probably couldn't do it. And don't Google it. Let's just see how it goes. Let's see if we can name all ten just for kicks. Because these plagues, let me say, these plagues taught the children, should have taught the children of Israel that you can trust God. That you can have faith. Because what happened through the plagues? It came upon the Egyptians, but not on the Israelites. Am I correct? So let's just name the plagues for fun. I thought it would be a great. Anybody know the first one? Water into blood, ding, 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 ding. Don't look at your Bible, this is a test. Okay, anybody know the next one? Frogs. Now, my little comment on frogs. Can you imagine frogs everywhere? Can you imagine opening up your underwear drawer? I mean, they're everywhere. Now, now you know what Pharaoh did? He said, he got Moses, you got to get rid of these frogs. Moses asked him a question, well, when do you want the frogs to go? Now, if you were there and you were in front of Moses, who, by the way, he realized because of Moses, that's why the frogs are there. And Moses said, well, when do you want the frogs to go? What would you say right now? You know how dumb Pharaoh was? He said, how about tomorrow? 
He just wanted a little more frog, I guess. I don't know what. He says, well, tomorrow would be fine. No, I want these frogs gone now. Okay, so we had water into blood. We got frogs. Here's another. What's the next one or, or just another one? Lice. We'll move on from there. That's just an itchy feeling all over. And then what's another one? Pardon me? There's boils was one. Locust was one. Hail was one. We're at six. Oh, oh, flies, flies. We got flies. There's seven. Pardon me? Darkness was one. There we got, we're down to five, six, seven, eight. We got two more. There's one, uh, let, me, let me get my list here. I'm, uh, oh, yeah, there's one that's about the midway through. It's like number one, two, three, four, five. It's number five. You kind of miss it. Diseased livestock. And then what was the last one? The death of the firstborn children. And that's where Passover was instituted. What did the angel say? If I see the blood, I will what? Pass over you. And so so with the plagues and with Passover and then... The promise, Exodus chapter 3, Exodus 13, 5, God promises them the land flowing with milk and honey. Uh, and, you know, they go through the plagues and the pro- he promises if they, don't, if they do this, they won't come near them. And if you put the blood over the doorpost, it won't come near you. How many of you know that ought to teach you to trust the Lord a little bit? But listen, it wasn't just God's plan for them to be Safe from the plagues. His plan was to move them into the promised land. That was always his plan. Listen, it doesn't matter what you're going through. If you've got a, if you've got a circumstance, especially a self-inflicted one. How many of you know most of the time our, our circumstances are not demonic, they're just fleshly? <laughs> Anybody realize that? You know, my, I looked around and my greatest enemy was what? It was me, and that was the way it was with the children of Israel. But see, God was trying to teach them, you can trust me, you can trust me, you can trust me. And then if you follow, gosh, if we just went through the, the, the history of the children of Israel, he was trying to teach them that they could trust him regardless of the circumstances or the situation. In fact, the faith lessons continued after the Red Sea. In fact, if you want to, Deuteronomy chapter 20, uh, the first four verses, we don't need to turn there. They, they have reference to uh, uh, the laws or the guidelines of war. And when you look at the guidelines of war, it's just the first four verses, it's, it's just filled with do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. Everybody say, do not fear. And what's the opposite of fear? It's faith. In other words, in battle, uh, you've got to have faith. So life lesson number one as leaders, we're responsible to lead others to walk, to walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. I may not finish tonight, but my father's been in heaven for many, many years. Uh, and he didn't always walk with the Lord, but in my, in his, uh, latter years, he returned to the Lord and began to trust the Lord. And he began to serve the Lord. Uh, he went through a little spell, uh, maybe his, uh, li- uh, what do you call it, your uh, midlife crisis. Uh, but he came around, and, and I have one, one spiritual memory, two spiritual memories of my dad after he got right with the Lord. One was he gave me counsel 
about the, my future, and he did so with an encouragement to, you, son, this sounds simple to you, but I hold on to this because I didn't get much of this. You just got to trust the Lord. He'll take care of this. You got to just, you got to just trust in him. And I went, okay, all right. My dad told me to trust the Lord. I can do it. And, and, I, and, and you know what? We have that responsibility to raise up men and women, young people, who walk by faith and not by sight. Now, how many of you know, when you read the, the book, you realize that there's ominous times not only around us now, but in the future. If you think you needed to trust the Lord today, how about tomorrow? How about the next day? And so, huge life lesson we can learn from this one-liner. Hey, we gotta, we got to teach our families and our friends to walk by faith and not by sight. All right. In fact, that, that was God's plan all along. If you, the history of man. God was bringing us to a place where we, what does the New Testament say? The just shall live by what? Faith. That's the whole way to get to heaven. Am I right? It's through faith. And so you got to learn to walk by faith. You can't get to heaven without faith. For by grace, Paul said in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you're saved through. And that's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works lest any man should boast. So, so faith is huge, uh, especially when we talk about being victorious over the powers of darkness and the, the uh, negative influences of this life. Life lesson number two. Here we go. I'll move quicker. These, some of these will go a little quicker. As leaders... We must challenge those we lead to find their place and don't break, break rank. As leaders, we've got to teach people to stick to it, to be persistent and consistent and not break rank. Look what it says in this, in this uh, famous one-liner. Do not be afraid. Stand still. Everyone say stand still. It really means get properly positioned and stay there. Don't break rank. What do most people do when the Phili- the Egyptians are coming? The Egyptians are coming. The Egyptians are coming. Ah, lions and tigers and bears, oh my. And they flee. But hey, life lesson number two from this passage of Scripture. We've got to teach our people to don't, don't react to the circumstances. Take your position. Remember what God said through the prophet in, in uh, 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 through the prophet to Jehoshaphat when they were surrounded by innumerable armies? Position yourselves, and here's that passage, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Same exact thing. Listen, one of the worst things you can do in a time of trauma is to, is to uh, react to the circumstances and, and start uh, uh, giving away your location, if you will, by running. We got little rabbits around my lake house. They're so funny. They're so sweet. I love them. They're pretty tame. But they think if they just stand still, I don't see them. And I can see their little nose going. (laughs) I can get really close to them before they realize this ain't working. This ain't working. And then all of a sudden they take off. Okay. You can't do that. You You gotta stay positioned. Stand still. In fact, uh, if you, you don't need to go there, but this would be a great little read. First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 33. It's about David and his mighty men and the armies of God. And it says they rallied together, uh, these mighty warriors who had the capacity 
to keep rank. That's hugely important when it comes to accomplishing kingdom purposes. Is we're going to stick it out. We're not, we're not exiting stage right when the going gets tough. Okay? Great lesson to learn. I'm sticking it out. I'm not going to react. I'm not going to move to another land. I'm not going to, you know, hide in the bushes. I'm not, hey, I'm going to stay right. Hey, don't be afraid. Stand still. Don't move. Because if you're moving, I can't. That's my kind of person, uh, uh, translation of that. If you're moving, if you're reacting, I can't move and I can't respond. So, good life lesson. Life lesson number three, as leaders, we are to determine the will of God and then boldly declare it. As leaders, we are to determine the will of God and boldly declare it. Moses had determined the will of God. He had got the word of the Lord. And this, this uh, famous one-liner is a bold, I'm telling you, a bold declaration of the will of God. He got a hold of the will of God. He heard the will of God. And he began to declare the will of God. Now, you got to understand, there, you know, if you're the leader, where does the buck fall? It falls on you. And... As John Maxwell, the great leadership guru, says, everything rises and falls based on leadership. Put yourself in Moses' shoes or his sandals and say, uh, you know, somebody give me a guess of how many million it was. Uh, uh, Kobe, how many million Israelites do you think were crossing the Red Sea? Six million people. One leader at that point, and their lives are in his hands and in what he says or doesn't say. How many of you know God will hold us responsible with how we lead? And so as leaders, we better find the will of God and then boldly declare it. Hey, here, the, here, comes the, here comes the Egyptians. There's the, the Red Sea. He says, hey, stand still. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. Which he will accomplish for you today. Here they come, but guess what? Something's going to happen. And God's going to accomplish it. These Egyptians that you see coming against you, and let me hear the Egyptians coming. They're coming. Man, the sound, they see them. And Moses stands up in the middle of them. Hey, the, the, those people that you see, the whites of their eyes are getting really close. You're not, you're not going to see them ever again. What a bold declaration. Amen. That's where we need to raise it up another level in our life. It's time to begin to boldly declare the will of God for people's life and for those we influence. Amen. Here we go. Uh, in fact, gosh. Uh, here's a couple of passages of Scripture you can look up later. Job twenty two twenty eight 28 says, You shall also declare a thing, and it shall be established. Everyone say that. Declare a thing, and it shall be established. You know what? I believe the capacity of Moses to declare what he declared is what produced the miracle of the parting of the Red Sea. What would have happened if Moses had, Moses had a faltered right there? And went, uh, 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 uh-oh, uh, 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 everybody duck! 
Did y'all bring your life jackets? Anybody know how to tread water? No. Hey, the history of humanity and, and the children of Israel have been totally... You, now, how many of you God has a plan for your life? What does the scripture say? Death and life are in what? In the power of the tongue. Listen, our tongue is the navigator of our life. Jesus said, you can, you'll have, of course, you've got to get the context, but here's the principle. You'll have whatsoever things you say. So we've got to understand, we can curse our future, or we can, we can unlock our future by the bold declaration. And listen, not just ours, but in Moses' case, six million other people and the history of redemption as we know it today. Do you see how everything many times pivot on a, on a little moment? Did you know there are little moments in your life where it's make or break moments and you've got to understand if I, if I react to this or, or if I respond rightly, hey, uh, if I declare a thing, it, it'll be established. Do you know that's a, that's a uh, let me see if I can use this right, that's a neuter phrase. I think I said that right. In other words, it works for you or against you, right? Man, <coughs> I'm always sick. I ain't never getting, no, <coughs> I'm sick all the time. <coughs> How many of you know, you have whatsoever you say, right? If you declared it all the time, it works. God said it. In fact, Second Chronicles, uh, pardon me, Second Corinthians 4.13, it says, since we have the same spirit of faith, we believe, therefore we speak. If you believe in healing, declare it. If you believe in deliverance, declare it. If you believe you're born again, declare it. I think a lot of people who think they're saved aren't saved because they never declare it. Hello. All right. In fact, a little side note in verse 14, look what he said. Uh, the Lord will fight for you and you shall... He, now, Moses is telling this to the children of Israel. They just accused him of, of planning a mass six million people genocide. And here comes, the, here comes Pharaoh and all his armies. And, and Moses gets up, boldly declares it. And then he tells them, he says... He says in verse, uh, the Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Everyone say, hold your peace. Now, there's a lot of things you could, uh, now what does that mean? You know what that means? Be quiet. Everybody say, be quiet. He told the doubters, shut up. This is no time to be speaking what you just speaking. This is what God's going to do and all you six million people better shut your mouth because our destiny is in the hands of God. If you'll just shut up, he'll fight for you. <laughs> I love it. Somebody say amen. Whoo, man. Have you ever want to tell somebody that? Just shut up. Well, God said you tell them to shut up because their words are going to ensnare us if they don't shut up. And let the declaration of God be made manifest. So, whew, that's an important truth. Uh, we've got to boldly declare it. Life lesson number four from this passage. As leaders, 
we are to communicate with such clarity that others see beyond the now and into the future. We've got to communicate with such clarity that others can see beyond the now and into the future. We can't be wishy-washy with the declaration of God over our life. It's, it's, it's called in some circles vision casting. Where you began to declare it. You began to make it clear. And, I, and Moses made it very clear because God made it very clear to him. In fact, look, look at this passage again. Let me just read it to you again. I want to show you something in verse oh, uh, 13. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and what? Everybody say see. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you... See now, you will see them no more forever. He said, listen, open your eyes. Begin to see this thing. Begin to see some things and, and, and see what I'm declaring. Get a vision of what I'm declaring. Begin to see that God's got something bigger. Look beyond the moment. Most people, what did Paul say? I quoted it to you. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. In fact, there's some passages of Scripture, it's just coming to me, kind of hitting my memory bank, that talks about putting blinders. How many of you know the horses, they put these blinders on them? Why? They don't want them going. No, they just want them looking straight ahead. And as leaders, we've got to communicate with clarity the direction of God that He has for us. It's an important truth that if, if we don't catch it, uh, they won't catch it. We've got we to gotta communicate it. We gotta, it's got to be clear. What did, what did Habakkuk say? Write the vision. Make it plain that he may run who reads it. Everybody say, write the vision. Make it plain that he may run who reads it. I think that's Habakkuk too. Uh, it's just kind of I'm vague memory, but I know it's Habakkuk. Everybody say Habakkuk. Did you know Habakkuk was a book in the Bible? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Habakkuk. Write the vision, make it plain that he may run who reads it. Life lesson number five. As leaders, we are to ensure that those who we lead keep their eyes on the Lord and not on us. As leaders, we have to ensure that those we influence keep their eyes on the Lord and not on us. Now, this declaration that we've been reading over and over again do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of who? The Lord. Then what does he say? For the, uh, it says, uh, which he will accomplish for you today. In other words, this ain't me. This is he. How many of you know Moses could have took all the credit right there? In fact, did you know why Moses didn't make it into the promised land? He misrepresented God and, in a sense, took the credit for the water coming out of the rock the second time. He said, must I do these things for you? Oopsie, Daisy. In his anger, he didn't keep their eyes on the Lord. He said, must I always do these things for you? Oopsie, Daisy. Do you know the Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required? And Moses got to see it, but he didn't get to go there. 
Now we know in the end in New Testament he made it to the ultimate promised land because Mount of Transfiguration, who was there with Jesus? Moses and Elijah. But he didn't see the physical, he didn't get to, he didn't taste the milk and the honey. Because in one moment, he forgot this life lesson. We've got to keep their eyes on the Lord. I love, remember Jehoshaphat? What did Jehoshaphat in his prayer after he stirred up the spirit of faith? When they began to pray and fast, they're surrounded by their enemies, they stir up the spirit of faith. And, and the, the last line of his prayer was this, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Now that's the king. We got our eyes upon you. And the Bible says, and all the children of Israel, they just, all, the, all the children of Judah, the, the, Judah, they just stood in the presence of the Lord with their eyes on God. And that's when the prophetic word came. Gave them insight about overcoming their enemies because they kept their eyes on the Lord. Amen. We've got to keep our eyes on God. We've got to make sure those we lead keep their eyes on the Lord and not on us. Life lesson number six. As leaders, there's a time to quit praying and start progressing. As leaders, there's a time to quit praying about it and start progressing. I've heard people this, well, tell me how it's going with this. Well, I'm praying about it. Something in me kind of makes me go, eh, yeah, I don't think you really are. That's just kind of a catchphrase. Well, what are you well, we're praying about it. It's kind of like when somebody asks you to move to Africa and serve the poor. Into, well, I'll pray about it. Nah, you're not. You're just a nice way of saying ain't no way. And you know what? I'm going to Africa. But... Here, Moses tells the people, stand still, see the salvation of the Lord. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. And then the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Now, there's no record of him crying to the Lord, but undoubtedly he was crying to the Lord in the middle of all this. Can you imagine it? He's standing up in front of six million people. Hey, hey, the Lord will fight for you. He turns around, oh God, what are we going to do? Gee, you got, and he's crying out, to, he's praying. And you know, God said, kind of in a real strong way says, stop praying about it and tell the people to press forward. Let, let me tell you something about faith. Uh-oh, I done stood up now. I may preach another 20 minutes. Hey, listen, there's a time when faith will move you forward. And let me just say, if you stay stuck wherever you are, if nothing progresses in your life, and it's the same old tune, ho-hum, the tune is dumb, the words don't mean a thing, you're not walking by faith, you're just sitting on the sidelines waiting for God to do something supernatural in your midst to get you from point A to point B. Listen, God didn't take them, pick them up, and set them on the other side of the river. They had, pardon me, the other side of the sea. They had to get up and get going. They had to obey the directive of God. Moses had to tell them to get going. There's a time, hey, listen, if you want the manifestation of, of victory and the evidence of your faith to be realized, there's a time to quit asking God for something, but just get the word of the Lord and then get up and get going. I love the David story when he was in Ziklag. He just, you know, remember he prayed appropriately. He didn't ask God why his family had been taken. He didn't ask God why his mighty men were thinking about stoning him. He just got into the presence of the Lord and he asked one question, shall I pursue this troop? And the Lord said to him, you, shall, you can pursue this troop for you shall doubtless recover it all. Did you know David didn't even say amen? 
Pursue this troop, for you shall doubtless recover it all. You know what the next phrase is? And David went. He didn't say, now, Lord, let me just confirm here today. Because this is going to be an issue. We may have to think about this because these guys, I don't know how I'm going to deal with these guys because they won't have a rock party in my honor. Didn't do that. He just got up and went. Listen, I've said this before, I'm going to say it again, we'll close. Most miracles have a window of opportunity that'll pass us by if we sit on the sidelines in our doubt and insecurity and think, did I hear God? Should I hear God? Listen, God will never rebuke you for trying to obey Him. Has anybody ever missed it before? I've missed it before. God didn't call me on the carpet and say, Sam Walker, you, you were trying to obey me and you made a mistake. Come here, I'm going to wear you out. No. Hey, he'll honor you. Did you know what he did with Moses when Moses misrepresented God with the striking of the rock and the speaking of the rock? God honored him but called him on the carpet. He suffered the consequences, but God still went to work in his behalf. He ended up on the Mount of Transfiguration. Come on. Amen. Well, that concludes our little mini-series on famous one-liners. Let's stand up together. Hallelujah. Tonight, I think God may be speaking to us through this story, through this illustration of Moses and the children of Israel in the Red Sea. I want you to process whatever he's saying to you right now. Take a little time. It's just a little after eight. Take a little time tonight and process what the Lord is saying to you. Father, what are you saying to us today? We thank you for this example of the leadership of Moses. Teaching the children of Israel and teaching us to walk by faith and not by sight. Let that truth set up resonance in our life. Teach us to trust you more and more each day. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.